0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, however you might be listening, welcome to episode 85 of What's Up Tuscany, the only English language podcast made by real Tuscans and dedicated to anyone around the world that has a special place in his heart for this amazing homeland of ours. Every Friday we try to kickstart your weekend the right way by walking you through the least known corners of this region, you the stories that make it so fascinating and providing you with practical advice on how to turn your next visit into an unforgettable experience. If you love Italy, it's art, culture, food, follow us on your favourite podcasting platform, you definitely won't regret it. You may not be aware of it, but we've been telling you what makes Tuscany so special for almost a year and a half. In this time, we brought you along as we walked through some really unexpected corners of this land, places that are made even more special by the stories they have to tell. And this time we have gone through some quite remarkable stuff, from haunted castles to faraway abbeys, ancient ruins, hidden thermal baths, and so much more. And yet, there are some places in this region that are so special to almost beggar belief. Despite being very different from the postcard picture image so popular around the world, the region of Garfagnana, is a veritable treasure trove of incredible spots that would deserve so much more recognition than they actually get. Almost one year ago, we told you the tale of the small village in a faraway valley that was drowned when a hydroelectric dam was built in the 1950s. This place, Fabrica di Careggine, is known by many as the Little Atlantis and once every twenty years, when the dam needs major maintenance, comes back to light, providing an eerie scenery that attracts people from all over the world. Now, what we didn't have time to tell you back then is that, not very far from this landmark, there is a village that suffered almost the same fate but ended up very differently. Isola Santa, the sacred island in Italian, is definitely not an island and most definitely not sacred in any significant way, something that makes you wonder what is going on around here. It is not easy to get here, as the narrow valley is connected to the outside world by a single, very winded road, but the place is so special many experts consider it one of Tuscany's best kept secrets. What makes Isola Santa so unique? Well, it sits on a placid, emerald, artificial lake surrounded by scenic woods and some of the best sceneries that this wild part of the region has to offer. On top of that, the place was completely deserted when the dam flooded half of the place, drowning forever a church, a bridge and most of the houses. This means that the place seems frozen in time immune to the many honours that were perpetrated on Italian villages in the 1960s and 70s in the name of modernity. And yet, it is difficult to define what makes this hamlet so special. Walking around here, there is something a bit off, a certain quality that not everyone gets immediately. Popular folklore says that here fairies used to live together with a few hardy villagers whispering in their ears secret words to help them to survive their harsh life. Other tales narrate how their survival was helped by gentle giants living in the nearby mountain, moved by their constant suffering. If I had to think of a single place that encapsulates what makes Garfagnana unique, I would have to say that Isola Santa fits the bill perfectly. That's why this week What's Up Tuscany will bring you to this enchanted village on the lake. The history of the place, the legends that made it what it is and plenty of advice on the best things to do and eat if you come up here plenty of interesting stuff as always so make sure you stick around until the end okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes Jumba. As most people born and raised in a small town, not too far away from nature, I've always been fascinated by what people define the call of the wild. Aside from a few unfortunate places, everywhere in Tuscany you always have at least a glimpse of nature on the horizon. Hills, mountains, wild woods are a quick drive away, ready to lure you away from the hustle and bustle of the cities of the valley to take a breather. If you ever feel lost or want to get a better understanding of your place in the universe, a drive on one of the many back roads of this region is a real godsend. Each Tuscan has its own special place, the go-to destination when you feel down, overwhelmed by the many problems of our lives. One of these days I may tell you about my special place, but not today. This week I will talk to you about the place I wish I knew about in my darkest days, when hope was only a distant memory and everything seems to be conspiring against me. As my hometown is not exactly around the corner, I didn't know this special place buried in the deepest heart of Garfagnana existed at all. Looking around, I sometimes wonder if this place actually exists or if it's just a dream miraculously coming to life despite all odds. Everything in Isola Bella, looks too good to be true. Facing a small lake, whose green waters reflect the peaks of the Apuane Mountains, the village seems frozen in time, as if it was still subject to an ancient magic. The ancient stone houses are lined by alleys that all bring to the emerald waters below. Around you is the deep green of some of the thickest woods you can think about, with the occasional cloud that floats low and pierces the mountaintops. Isola Santa seems taken straight from the illustrations of a children's book, one that tells about magic, mysteries and folktales. The village was never big, rich or popular. Living here was not something you did on a whim. Most of the people would have gladly sold their soul to live anywhere else. Life around here was hard, made even more difficult by the isolation of the place. The only way to get here was a narrow, impossibly winded road that went along the raging waters of the Turrite Secca stream. And yet, people came around here, especially pilgrims on their way to the Eternal City on the famous Via Francigena, one branch of which came in this isolated valley. In order to imagine what it was like for one of those weary travelers, you have to think of the place without the city lake, which is a very recent addition. More than half of the ancient village sits now under the green waters of the lake created in the 1950s when, during the final push to create as much hydroelectric power to fuel Italy's economic boom, the waters of the stream were restricted by the small dam that dominates the valley. The ancient grain mill and the equally antique bridge were drowned as many of the houses that had hosted people for millennia. The rising waters and the many problems related to the dam were more than enough Convince the people of Isola Santa to skip down and relocate somewhere else. The place in the mid-1970s was deserted, just another of the ghost villages that are more and more frequent in the hills and mountains of Italy. And yet, the ancient hamlet didn't go quietly into the long night, it had plenty of fight left in it. Maybe those fairies of the old tales were still lying around hiding in the woods, looking at the steel. Emerald Waters, thinking that they added something to the place, making it even more special than before. Moving quietly, as is their custom, they went looking for the owners of the derelict houses, whispering ancient words of wisdom to their ears, calling them back to their ancestral homes. Whatever they did, it worked. The sons and daughters of the families that had moved when the waters rose came back, determined not to let their village die a lonesome death. They wanted to bring it back to life and they managed to do just that. From the early 2000s, tourists have come back to this secluded place, staying in the flats and rooms of a distributed hotel that has put Isola Santa back on the map. The renovation was done tastefully, without spoiling the magical atmosphere of the place. If you want to spend some days away from everything surrounded by nature, history, listening to the gentle wind and the faraway voices of the creatures of the woods, you can do just that. The village also has a very special restaurant where the specialties of Garfagnana are offered by the owners of the houses you’re living in. You just can’t beat that if you want authenticity. The 17th century church of St Jacob is pretty but Isola Santa is all about nature. The lake is full of trout and is very popular with fishing enthusiasts, but even if you don’t like the sport, the path that borders the lake has many views that are well worth your time nothing beats, walking up the dam and viewing the village from up there. If you like hiking, there are many interesting trails that will bring you to some of the best places in the Apuane, including Col di Favilla, a really charming ghost village. Not sure what your definition of a romantic getaway is, but I would be hard pressed to come up with something better than Isola Santa. Also good as a litmus test. If she doesn't like it, maybe she's not really the one you were looking for. Plenty of fish in the water pun most definitely intended. If it's true that, as it happened for the nearby little Atlantis, the most relevant event in the history of Isola Santa is quite recent, its history was very long and not particularly remarkable. The first traces of the place in the archives date to the year 1260 when, attacks to finance, the latest crusade was imposed on its inhabitants, but people had been living there since the dawn of time. The hamlet was built on the ruins, of a very ancient hospital dedicated to Saint Jacob. Mind you, it wasn't a place where sick people were treated. It meant something different back then. Hospitals in the Middle Ages were stops on pilgrim roads where the monks helped pretty much anyone that needed a hand. On top of the usual pilgrims, you had poor people, many sick, but also a fair amount of smugglers that braved the treacherous parts of the Apuane to bring as much salt as they could to the remote villages of Garfagnana without paying the exorbitant customs taxes. Isola Santa was difficult to reach, but it sat on a strategic location which justified the construction of a small wall to protect it from highwaymen and the occasional marauding army. The absence of much news about the place in the archives attests to the fact that the small community lived in extreme poverty, suffering greatly from its isolation. In 1615, Costantino Nobili, an inspector from Lucca, sent there to check on the ancient church, wrote that roads beyond Castelnuovo are so dreadful that you would be much better off just walking there. Despite the great misery brought upon the people, it took several centuries to replace the ridiculously dangerous ancient road in the valley. In the year 1880, The invention of explosives allowed for the Cipollayo Tunnel to be dug at a reasonable expense, something that allowed much better access to the villages in the area. It was a blessing and a curse for the valley. When progress finally reached this isolated corner of Tuscany, it did so in the form of a lot of trucks and people willing to blow the mountain to smithereens to build a new hydroelectric dam. When the dam was approved in 1949, the writing for Isola Santa was definitely on the wall. The houses, the bridge and the mill were submerged, but the worst was yet to come. The string wasn't big enough to provide a lot of capacity for the dam, which meant that the turbines could only be used in an emergency to provide some extra energy for the electric grid. This meant that the level of water rose and fell very quickly, sometimes several times in a week. It doesn't take an expert to realize that this created a lot of problems for the stability of the village. In the late 1970s a reasonable solution was finally found, but it was definitely too little too late. The people had already left, turning Isola Santa into a ghost village. In 1975, during the usual maintenance work that forced the lake to be drained, the people of the hamlet staged a long sit-in, asking bluntly to be provided with new homes where they didn't have to fear for the walls to crumble in the middle of the night. Their requests were granted, but the houses were built somewhere else. What might have been the death knell for the village was just the final chapter of the fall, when the place hit rock bottom. No one could realize that the place would have come back with a vengeance just a quarter of a century later. The Rebirth is one of the very few success stories in our mountains, one that should be treated as a case study for the other ghost towns everywhere else. The small houses with the stone roofs have been renovated tastefully, leaving the special atmosphere of the place intact. Now, nature lovers, fishing enthusiasts, hiking maniacs call Isola Santa their special place. Hollywood endings are not very popular in this neck of the woods, which makes this story even more remarkable. Happy endings in Garfagnana, who'd have thought? While the enchanted village is quite fascinating, looking at the majestic mountains every day could very well convince you to take a walk and see if they are just as beautiful as they seem. Newsflash, they are indeed magnificent. Starting from the dam that dominates the valley, there are several trails that will bring you to some of the most incredible peaks in the area, some quite treacherous ones, including the Pania de la Croce. This mountain, nicknamed the Queen of the Apuane, can be quite dangerous, especially if you are not very experienced and you venture up when the terrain is slippery or after a heavy downpour. Luckily, there are many paths that are beginner friendly and still able to offer great views of these quite remarkable mountains. One of the peaks near Isola Santa has a rather interesting name, some quite peculiar features and a cute legend that involves fantastic creatures that live around here. As you might have guessed from the title, We are not talking about leprechauns, but of the exact opposite, giants. Mount Sumbra is quite tall at 1769 meters 5800 feet for you lovely imperial freaks and from the valley of Isola Santa looks quite ominous and very massive. Its size would be behind the curious name. Sumbra in Italian means absolutely nothing, but according to linguists in the local ancient dialect of the area would mean something like a Sphinx sitting on its own shadow? Don't ask me how they got to this conclusion, it's really beyond my comprehension. I mean, Umbra in Latin means shadow, but where did they get the Sphinx part? Aside from this linguistic kerfuffle, the views that you can get climbing the mountain are really beautiful. It's not some lush beauty, it's austere, sharp, minimalist, as most of what you can see in this neck of the woods, but it's still quite something. Locals say that in one of the thick beech woods on the side there are plenty of Linketti, the local version of the leprechaun that we treated in an episode of our podcast some months ago, but this is not the most peculiar thing that you can find around here. Many people climbed the Sumbra to have a look at what people in the area say was the product of some very conspicuous inhabitants of the mountains, some oversized brutes that guarded the woods and mountains in the old days. The side of the Sumbra is dominated by a large crack, a very irregular surface broken by deep chasms. On the bottom of these chasms you can find what people around here call marmitte dei giganti, giants' cauldrons or pots in Italian. Looking at the side of the mountain, it's easy to imagine a gigantic creature striking a massive blow on the rock, revealing the candid marble below to make space for something that made their existence a bit easier. When people saw these massive holes in the rock, they came up with an explanation that involved the mysterious inhabitants of the mountain. The pots were dug by the giants so that they could store enough rainwater to extinguish their oversized thirst. Science has come up with a much more prosaic and definitely more believable explanation. The holes were carved in the millennia by the slow erosion of the rainwater and the rocks carried over after a big storm. They are definitely giant-sized, some of them are over 20 feet in diameter and five feet deep, which explains why people had to come up with a fantastic explanation. Here at WhatsApp Tuscany, we're big fans of science, but in this instance, we'd rather have a bit more magic into our lives. That's why we will tell you a tale that talks about giants, people of Garfagnana, and how they helped each other in difficult times. An old shepherd in Caregine lived in a small shed outside of the village with his two nephews. The kids had been orphaned when they were little and things were really hard for them. Grandpa wasn't as strong as he once was and struggled mightily to find enough to eat for the whole family. In order to make ends meet, the old man accepted all sorts of odd jobs here and there, cutting wood for a neighbour, tending the animals of a farmer, that kind of stuff. Despite his hard work, When winter came, they never had enough to put aside and were forced to seek help from the neighbors. One morning, the tiny family climbed the Sumbra to get some herbs that grew there. With the children searching for herbs, the old man sat down on a rock and started to cry quietly. He was so ashamed not to be able to provide enough to eat for his beloved nephews, he could hardly stand it anymore. The next day, the family came back to the same place, but when he got to his rock to have a moment for himself, The old shepherd was surprised to find a small quantity of rock salt there. In those difficult times, salt was difficult to find in Garfagnana. Everybody needed it to preserve food for the winter and it was heavily taxed by the state. Finding even a small lump there in the open was exceedingly good luck. The shepherd filled his pocket as much as he could and ran to town where he bartered it away in exchange for flour, meat, beans, anything he might need for his family. For many days, every time the grandpa climbed the mountain, he always found a lump of rock salt, enough to put aside enough food for the winter and even some cash for emergencies. After a while, the old man didn't find his salt at the usual place. He wasn't disappointed, though. He didn't scream bloody murder to the sky. He still remembered how tough things were before, how much he struggled, how he wished he was dead. Now he had enough food, some money put aside, he was in a much better place. His nephews were much healthier, happy, and that was enough for him. When he looked at the rock, he realized that someone had carved the image of three giants smiling at him. It had been those gentle creatures to help the old man, as they usually did with the people living there. They might be giants, but they had a great heart. They just wanted people to remember their generosity forever so that misunderstandings will never happen in the future. We don't know how things went from that fateful day But I suspect that there was no happy ending. I mean, when is the last time you bumped into a giant? They may very well have gone to hiding, uh, into some deep cave in the mountains, but their smiling faces are still there, up high, where the trail comes out of the woods and stares at the chasm at the feet of the mountain. A few years ago, the local administrations finally decided to clear the overgrowth that had filled the famous cauldrons for years. If you get up there, along the Anguillaia and Fatonero stream, you can see this remarkable place again. The mythical age of the giants may be long gone, but around here, you can maybe experience for a moment how that felt like. It might not seem much, but it's really something that doesn't happen every day. Treasure it. Before leaving you to the rest of your day, time to provide a few practical tips on how to turn your next visit to Garfagnana into a memorable experience, something that would make your regular friends jealous. That's a great perk of being a regular WhatsApp Tuscany listener, more than enough to make you want to join our social media channels and maybe say hello, letting us know where you live and what you think about our little project. We know from our very limited analytics that many of you live in the United States, but we also have noticed a fair amount of listeners from Italy. If you're an expat living in this neck of the woods, send us an email at podcast at We would really love to hear from you. Maybe there is a way we could be more helpful or answer questions we might have never thought about. We are all about improving our service, but without feedback it's mostly guesswork. Now, enough chit-chat. back to the advice. Best way to experience this enchanted village and a very particular valley is most definitely choosing it as a base of operations and spend a few days around here. Now, thanks to the enlightened determination of the owners and the local administrations, you don't have to look very far to get more than adequate accommodation in this sparsely populated area. A huge part of the revival of this hamlet is the distributed hotel that takes up most of the houses of the village. The Antico Borgo Isola Santa is a very special bed and breakfast, a quiet refuge in the middle of the Apuane Alps National Park that is just a few kilometers from Lucca or Viareggio. Mind you, the road to get there is quite atrocious, which makes it barely feasible for a day trip. Provided you are an early riser and don't waste much time on the road, you can make it, but it won't be as good as spending at least a night in the village. The owner, Gabriele Mazzei, has lived around here most of his life and used to manage a local restaurant before having the great idea in the early 2000s. Instead of just looking as the place was falling apart, What about turning it into a place people can actually live in again? The people that came to the lake to fish or used to come to his restaurant agreed with him. It was a great idea. No one realized exactly how difficult it was going to be to make the village rise from its ashes, but they made it happen. The complete decay of a few decades ago is now a distant memory. Everything in Isola Santa looks spot-on, carefully maintained for everyone to enjoy, not only the guests of the B&B, If you decide to stay for the night, you have two choices, either an independent flat or a room where you get all the amenities you'd expect from a hotel. The flats are all over the village and come with either two, four or eight beds. All of them have a fully furnished kitchen, a fireplace, satellite TV and reasonable speed internet connection. The rooms are placed in the ancient watchtower. Being this 2022 and not 1995, you get Wi-Fi, but no TV, as soundproofing every room in this ancient structure would have been too expensive. The b also offers both lunch and dinner, but in a quite peculiar fashion. The meals are mostly cooked by the owners of the houses, which will serve the best specialties of the area, all produced with ingredients as fresh as they come. Being surrounded by woods means that you will get extremely fresh porcini mushrooms and even truffles with locally sourced meat that is cooked on a green wood-fired barbecue. People swear that this is the best way to taste the local meat, but I cannot confirm. Next time I pop there and taste this meat, I will definitely let you know. Living there, in a thousand years old village surrounded by the mountains, the woods in rooms and flats that have been carefully decorated with vintage furniture and decor, is really a weird experience. It only takes a night to feel like the whole hamlet is your home, going from one special corner to the next, soaking in the magic around you to the point where you might expect Excalibur to rise from the emerald waters or some of the famous fairies to start whispering in your ear. It's still weird to consume your breakfast on a table, put right in an ancient alley, but it definitely beats your Holiday in buffet. If you decide to take the plunge, let us know how it goes, we're very curious. Not too far from the village, there is also a small restaurant, the Mattarello. In the description you will find the link to the TripAdvisor reviews of the place, which are a bit of a mixed bag. Plenty of people say it's great, reasonably priced, with good fish plates, others say that it's overpriced, doesn't have enough parking and would never come back. Now you know how reviews go, you tend to go with the bulk, discounting both the great and awful comments. All in all, you should be fine, but we cannot recommend it personally. Last time I was in Isola Santa, I was staying at a friend's place so we did it there. For stuff to do, it mostly depends on what you like to do. Hiking enthusiasts will be spoiled for choice with some great trails to choose in the area. A generalist audience might be better served by visiting some of the local attractions. People travel from all over Tuscany to see two famous underground cave complexes, the Grotta del Vento and the Antro del Corchia. Both are extended network of karstic tunnels carved in the millennia by waters flowing in the underground, creating some amazing views and a scenery you won't forget anytime soon. We will talk more in detail about these really special places in an upcoming episode. I included the link to both websites in the description for your information. They have English language pages. The quality is questionable, as it happens too frequently in Italy, but you will get most of what the place is all about. The pictures are great, which would definitely help you to choose. This was all for this week's episode. We were very happy to bring you back to one of Tuscany's least appreciated corners, the incredible region of Garfagnana. Hopefully you will find our stories interesting enough to choose it next time you come by to pay us a visit. If you do so, please let us know how it went. Nothing would make us happier than knowing we've actually helped someone get the most from our amazing region. I'm still your friendly neighborhood host, Luca Bocci, if you wish so. I will see you next Friday for another episode of What's Up Tuscany, the only English-language podcast made by real Tuscans and dedicated to anyone that loves and cherishes this wonderful homeland of ours. Thanks for getting to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. and Goodbye.